Welcome to Manufacturing Talk Radio, your source for breaking news, business trends, and economic forecasts here and abroad that impact one-third of America's economy. And now your hosts, Lou Weiss and Tim Grady. And thank you for joining us in this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. We have got an exciting and really uh, expert guest, Audie Penn. Audie Penn is the principal and owner of Audie Penn Consulting. By the way, his website is at A-U-D-I-E-P-E-N-N, AudiePenn.com. And he is an expert in lean. Uh, that is a subject we've only touched on once or twice with Manufacturing Talk Radio, Lou, so... I'm going to be fascinated to talk with Audie about lean and whatever else we get into on this show. Okay. Uh, actually, I had a great conversation a couple of days ago with uh, Audie, and uh, he's got uh, he's well-spoken. He knows his stuff, and uh, he's uh, out there now, especially in our COVID-19 environment, uh, the new normal, and uh uh, there are people that are going to be looking for the people who know to solve problems. And uh, Audie, I'm going to ask my I'm going to ask my my two questions of you, which are really your questions. But I love the question, and I, this is what you ask your customers. And, I, and I'm going to wind up asking my customers the same question: What do you have that you don't want? And what do you want that you don't have? The floor is yours, Avi. Absolutely. Well, thank you. Thank you both. I appreciate uh, the invitation to join you, and I have absolutely enjoyed the conversations that we've shared uh, over the last couple of days. So um, thank you very much for inviting me. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Great. So, don't yes, suck my uh, question. <laughs> so the question, what do I have that I don't want? Well, right now, I think what I have that I don't want is a world that is uh, frightened of and um, responding to a a pandemic. Um, I don't want that. I don't want that for me, and I don't want that for anybody else. Um, right. I think what I what I want that I don't have uh, is an opportunity to help clients in the future recognize where their problems lie and to give them skills and abilities to address them in a way that will sustain their performance and lead them into the future. And that's exactly what we do uh, in our organization. Well, that, that's great. So tell us uh, how and what and how you do this, and let's do a deeper dive on some of your uh, services that you perform for your small, medium, and large corporations. Yes, absolutely. Um, so... Another organization that uh, Audie Penn Consulting works with, I'm actually a managing partner there, is called Faro Partners, and, and we have what we call the Faro Advantage. Uh, Faro, by the way, is uh, Spanish for lighthouse, and that is exactly the image that we want to portray. We want to guide our clients through these, uh, these narrows to a great future. So within that Faro Advantage, we start with the strategy advantage, and uh, I think what I talk into here is really just sometimes the difficulty that, that leaders have in expressing their deepest desires. Uh, every leader has a vision inside that 
they know what they want, but often it's it remains inside, and their their frustrations in communicating that actually create um, uncertainty in the organization because there's just not enough clarity. And where leaders tend to lean then is into their own experience and they lean deeply into how they want to see things accomplished, where what organizations really need is clarity about what it is we're supposed to be accomplishing. Uh, so we spend time in that strategy, strategy advantage space to help leaders find and communicate their desired outcomes. And once that clarity is, is complete, we begin to deploy that down into the organization and we help different layers of the organization translate and move that clarity into their own levels and into their own areas of responsibility. Um, we also use what's called the management advantage, which really is the governance system that often is uh, missing. And, and what that refers to really is how leaders within the organization maintain focus and communicate what is important over the long term. The, the lean philosophy that I would connect to this would be constancy of purpose. We know what our purpose is, and that purpose is really held constant because we talk about it often, and we evaluate our outcomes often to make sure that we're aligned to that purpose. Often when we're in this phase, in this system, we uncover gaps in our actual performance and the intended outcomes. And that's where the performance advantage or the performance system shows up. And this is where we actually apply process improvement tools, whether it's Lean or Six Sigma or, or other tools that help the process teams find the root cause of their failures and actually respond appropriately to them. Uh, and that's what a lot of people um, recognize lean to be, but it's not just that one element. It, it includes all of it. And then finally, the fourth element of our FARO advantage is the leadership advantage where we actually spend time with leaders helping them understand the tactical approach to building relationships, to having meaningful conversations, for creating focus. Um, we spend as much time in that space to help leaders become inspirational and influential as we do in creating clarity and execution within organizations. That's the umbrella that FARO uh, delivers to our clients, and that's what we call the FARO Advantage. Okay, so uh, when when you are dealing with management on the management system, uh, are are you dealing with uh, uh, people who are waking up to the fact that they don't know necessarily how to solve, resolve issues and problems, and build in resiliency and forward thinking for the company? Do they yeah. do the Upper management really needs what you're suggesting? Yes, that's typically the, the entry point for us. When, when leaders have become frustrated with the outcome of their, their work in the past, and, and one of the questions that I ask frequently is, how many times have you tried to solve this problem? And, and that helps them really recognize I need help right now because you're absolutely right. This is in, in, in one current project that I'm working with a client today is this is the eighth attempt at solving this problem. 
and this is this is my first attempt in, in guiding them through this, but their eighth attempt at at, at overcoming the same uh, problem because they've just their solutions in the past have been pointed at symptoms rather than the underlying causes, and we've we've identified where those causes are taking place, and we're starting to actually address them at the root. You you have to understand, uh, Audie, that when you said that question, uh, Tim and I are uh, we we see one another during the show, and the two of us really cracked up because we we do have another company, uh, All Metals and Forge Group, which is a a forging company. And when you said, how many times have you tried to solve the problem? And you said eight. Was that eight for the day, or was that eight (laughs) over a period of a year? Well, in this case, or eight years. Well, yeah, and now you're I, getting closer to what what I'm dealing with in this specific project is this this eight attempts at solving the problem is over multiple years. That's, that's probably because they give up. Yes, they give up and and they think the short term gain that they see is the solution, and then six months later they start to realize, oh no, the same symptoms are showing up. I mean, it, it's very insidious. So we see an improvement in the short term, and then slowly but surely those same problems and, and the same evidence starts to show itself again six months, seven months, eight months later. And then next year, guess what, is back in the strategy deployment conversation. We need this problem to go away. Well, isn't that the same problem that we talked about last year? Or last week? Exactly. Or the year before exactly. that? or. <laughs> Oh, I, I think wow. It, I, think it, I think that's pretty much inherent in uh, perhaps uh, entrepreneurial-type companies. Uh, would, would you have a comment on that? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and I think we have to be cautious here because in that entrepreneurial organization, that's what it takes to be successful, Right that leader has to be able to respond to every and all problem because that's what the small organization looks to that leader for. But at some point, organizations get to a point where that leader no longer has the capacity to actually address every problem for every person or every function, and they have to make then that shift to what I would call the, the operational excellence model which allows them to actually express what is important in the different functional areas and then to create that governance cycle that allows them. I've got two more questions for you, Lou. Here they come to ask. All right. Did you follow your process or did you follow your standard work? And did you produce the intended results? That's the check that allows us to make sure as leaders that our processes are actually producing what we expect them to. And if leaders aren't asking those two questions, no one else in the organization usually is. I'm still writing. (laughs) (laughs) Audie, while he's writing, I will uh, throw in my little piece of levity here. It's the uh, only one that I know that involves a lighthouse. Um, and because you were talking about, is it Faro or Faro? Faro. Faro. 
Um, and it has to do with a uh, ship in heavy seas and foggy conditions that gets a signal light that says you must change course. And the captain signals back, I am a super tanker. You have to change course. And he receives back a signal, no, you have to change course. I am a lighthouse. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and that's the purpose of the lighthouse, to give us signals and direction to keep us from running aground. Yes. Well, that's um, where do you start with this? Because there's so much to be discussed. Do you find that any one particular approach works for all, or do you kind of lay this, you know, here are all of the things that we can work on for you, or do you want to start approach works? I think the latter makes more sense and, and is much more effective with our clients. Uh, I, I, we don't want to show up as experts. I mean, we have the expertise, absolutely. But a lot of times experts will show up, and the minute that they begin to share solutions, the result in an organization is basically people begin to shut down their thinking. Well, the expert is here. He's told us what to do. We don't need to think about it anymore. And what we do with our expertise is, yes, we show up with an idea, but we need to make sure that we create and understand the context within the organization and then begin to ask the right questions so that we meet our clients in their problems, and now we can really have the right conversations. We can focus on what they need from us rather than pretending we already know. So you, you in effect, are a psych, psychologist, psychiatrist <laughs> for the company. You are I, the I, one I, asking, and you, you made a comment at the very beginning that you see things that the owner, manager, uh, entrepreneur can no longer see because he's so, so deep into the mud that he can't see what's in front of him. Absolutely, yes. I, I would say that is correct, and, and I chuckled because I have had clients that have described me as their personal uh, corporate psychologist. Which, by the way, there are such things. Yes, there are. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, 20 years ago, I had the need for one, uh, which actually worked out very well. Um, he told me to get rid of my partner. <laughs> <laughs> How did it work out? Yeah, yeah, it was great. It was great, and and that solved the problem. Uh, you know, making that making that kind of a major change when you've been in a partnership relationship, whether it's a, a personal husband wife. Uh, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever, uh, trying to make it work when it's impossible only makes it worse for a longer period of time. And yet you don't want to go through the psychological drama of the breakup. You know, one of the, uh, one of my favorite, favorite movies ever was War of the Roses with Louis De Palma. Um, and uh, when you break up a company or break up a partnership, uh, it does become a war of roses. 
So, Audie, I'm interested in finding out um, how much of this came out of your experiences with Lean. And by the way, Audie is the author of a book called Thinking Lean. How much of uh, the Faro Advantage came out of the Lean thinking? Uh, every bit of it. Um, well, I shouldn't say that. There's one element that I think is very subtle, subtly present, but I think we miss it, and that's really the leadership piece, and, and I'll get to where that came from shortly. But um, as I was, was, and I hate, I hate to admit this, but I'm certified, and it, I, I, the reason that I say that is sometimes certifications have no meaning. But in this case, the, the process that I went through in, in achieving my certification actually influenced the way that I showed up and worked with my clients. Um, I'm certified through the Lean Alliance at the bronze, silver, and gold levels. And as I was conducting projects through each of these certification processes, I was taking the information that I was learning and I was applying it in the work that I was doing with clients. And, And a couple of things really happened for me my client got more value from me because I began seeing their problems differently and asking them better questions. I was able to accelerate my way through those, those certification processes, and I was able to really see the relationship between the three different levels, the tactical level, which is the bronze, and that's really the, the process facing work where we're improving processes, the silver level, which is actually integrative or the management system where we are we're in those governance systems that allow us to sustain the improvements and to communicate what's important. And then also at the gold level, which is where the whole strategy deployment process begins, and it's the mechanism that we use to connect all levels of the organization to the same outcome. Um, my experience in that certification process has allowed me to then develop and connect all of these different systems um, in that lean and operational, you know, I, I, this is not original, but it, it's so clear to me now through the experience that I understand the relationships of, of all three levels and how they work together, which is often missing. Uh, Audie, I'd like to uh we have a pretty good sense of uh, what you do and how you're doing it. Um, now we have a situation uh, with the COVID virus. Yes. Now, all of a sudden, in a three-month period, everybody's business has been thrown up in the air, and the, the house of cards is collapsing. People are not working, uh, or not working, or they are working uh, at home or in a cave or under a bridge or whatever, but this this really has thrown a loop into any kind of successful business, even a business that didn't have problems. Now they got problems. Yes. So this is a, this is a new aspect for you as well. When a when a potential client says, you know, I had a great company, it went working well, all our systems were great, and you know, now all of a sudden, you know, I'm pulling my hair out. Um, and you have to make change quick. Uh, I have an expression which I'll allow you to use also. You know, you got to think out of the box because the box is a coffin. And, Absolutely. Uh, you just got to get out. 
So how are you dealing with your clients, uh, either midstream with some of the clients you're working on, and now all of a sudden you came up with a plan, you came up with strategies, you came up with uh, systems, and a lot of that's now out the window because of what's going on and may be here for a while. Yes, and I, I think that is a great view and a perfect trans, transition from the last conversation because there's a relationship. So let me lead you into a way of, of, of observing and evaluating our organizations. Uh, one of the books that I absolutely fell in love with, is it's called Organizational Learning 2, Theory, Method, and Practice. And within it, the authors, uh, Argyris and Schoen, talk about these these learning loops within an organization. And my partners and I have taken that learning loop thinking and we've actually expanded on it in a way that makes sense for us. But there are five loops that I, that I try to help my clients see. And, and I want to walk through those five here briefly um, and we can poke holes at this all we want. The first is the process loop. It's that management system loop that allows us to evaluate, are we executing the process the way that we intended it to be executed? The second is the outcome loop, which allows us to, to evaluate, are we producing the intended results? All right? We've already seen those two questions, and they're, they're much more prevalent than any of the others. The next one is the strategic loop, and that is, are we still pursuing value the way that our customers expect us to? So we need to go back and evaluate that frequently too. The next one is the improvement loop where we've found gaps in our outcomes compared to what we intended and we're actually working a process to close those gaps and regain our performance in our processes. And then the final loop, the fifth loop, is the technology loop that actually requires of us to evaluate is the technology that we're using actually creating benefit in the processes where it's applied. And so if we don't evaluate all five of those loops on a regular and frequent basis, then we're going to allow cracks in our organization to continue to develop, and at some point the foundation falls apart. The connection to the COVID crisis says we have to increase the frequency of the evaluation in these chaotic and crisis spaces. It's no different than than the quality process in a manufacturing plant. When we see variation in our processes, we increase the inspection to make sure we can identify the root cause and we can address it appropriately. Well, in the larger organization, COVID has thrown tons of variation into the organization and we need to be able to evaluate all of our processes now so that we can make the necessary adjustments to achieve the necessary outcomes that COVID has created for us. And then we need to begin to evaluate, have our adjustments actually allowed us to continue our business in the face of this crisis? Uh, one of the things that uh, would concern me uh, and does concern me is that, um, you know, my company also, we have people that are now working remotely. Uh, but we did have a business continuity plan in place from uh, a hurricane that we had about six, seven years ago. So when we made the switch from uh, working uh, in, in our uh, facility to working remotely, it was really a very simple uh, – it, it was like 15 minutes. 
Everybody's working from home. They got the computers. They got the telephones. They got the scanners. They got everything. But the problem is that there are changes that occur almost on a daily, weekly basis that you don't have any control over and don't necessarily know what the impact is going to be on your company. And uh, and I'm talking mainly about uh, the way it, this is this particular crisis is being handled, uh, not to be political, but to be handled by uh, governmental uh, agencies. And how does that affect my company and or affect my customer's company who directly affects me? These are very serious issues. And frankly, uh, I think that we're going to see a lot of bankruptcies because people aren't going to be able to see the solution or don't have the capability of uh, in, uh, implementing a solution. Absolutely. So I'll no, leave I, you with that. I, I totally agree with your comments, and, and I think that's your comments take me to truly understanding the, the value and the power of creating an operational excellence or, or a lean culture. And, and back to those learning loops, if we are – if we are entering into those those evaluation cycles appropriately, um, we will see the opportunities or the challenges sooner than we might, and we will be able to respond to them sooner than if we just waited for them to actually disrupt operations. And that really becomes a practice uh, within the operational excellence space. And, and what I mean by that is when we're evaluating frequently enough, then we begin to see patterns that are taking place and we can respond sooner than later. But that, that comes from the practice of that governance system and recognizing uh, we need to be evaluating where we are and what's coming down the pike. And it, it really starts to create the awareness of more subtle adjustments. Uh, but, but the frequency, this is what I teach my clients, Frequency is correlated to correction, and what I mean by that is the frequency of the evaluation should be such that when we do identify a, a, a root cause problem, it doesn't take us six months to recover. Maybe it takes us six hours or six days, depending on the nature of your business and the requirements of recovery, but that frequency is what allows us to keep as close to the rails as possible in the face of those variations that even those that we don't have control over. So to sum it up in the Lou Weiss short version, um, face your problems and deal with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Audie, I'm, well, I'm just curious. Um, what size company do you need to be before you're doing this? And when you're a company of, I don't know, one, three, five, can you do it? I think that's when you can begin to start practicing it. Um, but again, that in that entrepreneurial leader still has the desire and and the energy to take care of all of it. But I think the sooner you start to pull your team into participating and in establishing these processes and these feedback loops, 
the sooner you recognize uh, I'm getting to the point where my capacity is taxed and I, I need to shed yet another function or I need to create yet another loop that allows me to manage my life the way that I want to. In your world, Audie, what size companies do you typically find yourself dealing with? Um, right now, uh, our, all of our clients are multi-billion dollar businesses. Uh, however, when we dive into where we're actually executing, we're, we're in the 200 to $700 million range in the, in the segments within those corporate environments. Um, mm -hmm. One thing that, I, that comes to mind as you ask that question is we can't turn the Titanic um, from the top it's the rudder beneath. It's one system within that entire ocean liner that actually does the work. We have to be able to see and go experience the work at all of those systems levels, but every one of them is actually being driven from the top of the ship. But the work happens at the bottom. The work happens in those processes where value is created systematically. Right, you know, the Titanic should have known about this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's certainly an interesting subject, Audie, and uh, and I hope that our listeners will go to a u d i e p e n n audipen dot com and check out what you offer and learn a bit about uh, the Faro Advantage and that other organization. And by the way, do they have a separate website? Yes, they do. It is, it is actually Faro, F-A-R-O dot partners, P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S. There's no dot com on the end of that one. Oh, that's interesting. If they type that into a web browser, do they actually arrive there? Absolutely. That's the first thing that shows up. Okay, so partners is actually the domain Yes, I didn't know that was a, a current uh, one of the extensions of the domains. They've made them everything. So, gosh, Audie, thank you for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. We have certainly appreciated you being being here and going into this discussion. And then Lou and I are now going to have to ponder life going forward. And if we have a subsequent conversation with Audie, <laughs> well, I know what I don't want. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things I don't want, so we're going to have to work on it using uh, Audie's uh, 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 tagline, if you will. Uh, and uh, I think it, uh, it's a very powerful statement, Audie. Well, thank you very much, and, and, and thank you for allowing me the time today to, to spend in conversation with you, and I look forward to coming back and doing it again. Love oh, to good. have you. You have, you have some uh New issues that come up or new expansion of your uh, your methodology, we'd be happy to have you on. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks. Have a wonderful day and stay safe. And we have been talking with Audie Fenn, who is the principal and owner of Audie Penn Consulting, and we certainly encourage our listeners to go and listen or to read what he has on that website. He covered a lot of ground here, but very high level, and I'm sure that our listeners are going to want to get into more detail uh, as soon as they can. So um, 
let's uh, invite you to go there. And then in addition to that, um, I want to invite our listeners to go to jacketmediaco.com to hear any of our podcasts, which happen to include Manufacturing Talk Radio, which we bill as the voice of manufacturing globally because we talk with manufacturers all over the world. Also, a show, Manufacturing Matters, with Cliff Waldman. He's a noted economist highlighting how sectors in this vital economy of ours are related to manufacturing. The WAM podcast about women in manufacturing who share some incredible stories. We really enjoy listening, excuse me, listening to that show. And Where's Willie is hosted by William Miller uh, with kind of boots on the ground reporting at manufacturing plants as he travels the country. Full-time with Amy, talking about the work-life balancing act of busy women. A new show that we've got coming up, Hazard Girls, which is a, a show Lou hasn't yet defined, but the, the concept's in place. Lou, what's he, he actually has. This is about women who go into unusual uh, work environments. Uh, it, it's going to be a very interesting show. Oh, good. Maybe we can get to, you know, back in the World War II days, for those of you who remember, they had Rosie the Riveter, and I've always wanted to have Wendy the Welder on our show. And we have run across women welders, so um, impressive. They do great work. And also, don't forget to read our monthly e-zine called Manufacturing Outlook, which is at manufacturingoutlook.com, which covers all the current and upcoming things in this digital and dynamic industry. As always, thank you to our listeners for listening to this episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. Thanks for joining us on Manufacturing Talk Radio. You can hear our next broadcast each Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at mfgtalkradio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.